Okay, this is um, it's a blessing seeing everybody. Last night was really special seeing everybody. Yeah, amen. amen. So I have to talk to a couple people I haven't talked to in a while because it's been so long. But uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do pray that you would be uh, just glorified and honored this morning. You, we, we pray that we were pleasing to you as we worship you this morning. And now as we share your word, Lord, we just pray that you would be honored as well, Lord, because you are so deserving of uh, our honor and our praise. And we ask this in your name. Amen. 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 Let's, um, let's go to uh, Lamentations. Lamentations is uh, the next book after uh, Jeremiah. studying God's word, but we're going to go to Lamentations chapter 3. It's, um, it's just a wonderful part of the book for me because it's um, Lamentations deals with a lot of tragedy, but this is like a bright light and in the book of Lamentations. The people were going through a lot of difficulty. And it's wonderful that our God, when we're involved with great difficulty, is always that shining beacon to try to give us encouragement and to give us light. If we go to uh, Lamentations chapter 3, starting in 18, just to kind of focus on what Jeremiah uh, was saying to the people and to the Lord, he says, So I say, my splendor is gone, and all that I hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wondering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Now, that seems very hopeless when you read that because he says his splendor is gone and that certain things that he hoped for he hadn't achieved hadn't seen and then I like the word remember because he says I remember my affliction and wondering and we can do that can't we that's the one thing that we are prone to do is to remember things well this prophet, what he was saying is, I remember the affliction, the wondering, and then he says in the next verse, in 20, I well remember them. Which means to me, I dwell on them. I've been dwelling on them. I well remember them. And my soul, because of what I'm remembering, is downcast within me. Because of what I've been remembering, and the circumstances that I've been looking at, and the situations that I've been reliving in my mind, the problems, the situation, as I look at it and I well remember it, my soul is downcast because of it. And look at our focus. Today, each person in here, we are focusing on things. We're remembering things. We're called to remember but what are we remembering today? 
We can remember and be focused on the lack of meetings. We can be focused on the church situation. We can have issues <coughs> on our job that we're focused on and it creates, we're downcast because of it. Because we're looking around and it's not a pretty scene. Some situations are out of control and can create where we are actually downcast. And what I want to just, just offer, because I remember reading this and just meditating on it, what I want to just have us do is just to focus on refocusing. To focus on what we really should be focused on this morning. And until our Savior comes. Because he needs our focus to be right. His focus was wrong. And that's why he was downcast. I want you to imagine something. We saw a wedding last night. And as those were there, it was beautiful. Even if you weren't there, I think we all know the importance of the bride and the groom. Walking in and giving their vows. And we had a camera crew there. And the camera crew, when the bride and the groom were saying I do and kissing, that was a precious moment to focus on, wasn't it? Now what if they heard thunderstorms? What if they heard rain coming down? What if they said, wow, I can't believe it's raining. I can't believe it's thundering outside. Let's just take the cameras and go outside. Because I'm not happy. And they focused on that. And now the wedding vows are not even focused on. What was most important at that moment was the wedding vows and the kiss, not the storm outside. Amen. What if they did that? And we do that, don't we? We sometimes look outside at all the circumstances and we forget to look at the most significant thing that's happening that's available to us. And this is where I just love how this man just refocused. Spurgeon wrote, he says, the same recollection which may in its left hand bring so many dark and gloomy omens may be trained to bear in its right hand a wealth of hopeful signs. Just training the focus. And that's why when we go to verse 21, that's when I kind of jumped to my feet and wanted to do a little dance. Because the writer in NIV says, Yet this I call to mind. He said, I'm looking at all the gloomy picture and I see it. And I remember it, but what it's created is I'm downcast, and we can be downcast when we look around at circumstances. We truly can be downcast, but I tell you, it's a focus issue. Because when he says, yes, this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. What do you call to mind? What did he call to mind? Well, we go on. What he called to mind, he says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His focus changed instead of looking, because he says, I remember. He remembered his circumstances and situations and issues and problems, and he was downcast. 
But he says, yet I will call to mind. I will refocus the lens, and I will focus on the great love that our God has for us. And Adol, when he gave that song, which was great, it was 132, I think it was. I was listening to the words, and it was beautiful, because it says, because of the great because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. He focused on that. He said, first of all, I have hope because I'm refocusing. What are you focusing on, Jeremiah? Well, I'm focusing on the Lord's great love. And because of that great love, we are not consumed. And I love how it says in here that we, it says, what was it blessed God, what blessed God, it led thee to give thy son to yield thy well-beloved for us by sin undone. T'was love unbounded that led us to give us thy well-beloved for us, to give thy well-beloved for us. He was moved by love. And this song said that it was a boundless love. And we have to kind of look around and understand that when the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, what the Bible is telling us that every single person in this room is undeserving of that great love, that boundless love. Because that love, what it should do, and that's why the writer says we are not consumed, because we deserve to be consumed. We deserve to have the penalty of our sin. None of us in here deserves that great love, that boundless love. We don't deserve it. So when the writer refocused and looked at it, it's like, I'm undeserving of this love I have. Why am I downcast? Why am I looking around at my circumstances? Why am I leaving the room and looking at the clouds and the storm? Let me stay in the presence of my God and be thankful for his great love. Amen. It refocused him. And then he had hope. And then it goes on to say, for his compassions never fail. Never fail. His compassion? What do you mean? When I sin, when I'm out of fellowship with you, you still have compassion for me. When I'm lost, you still show compassion. When I'm not deserving because I'm never deserving, you give me your passion, compassion. It never fails. And he goes on to say, they are new every morning. New every morning? What about last night? What about yesterday? What about weeks ago? No, in the morning. He says, today, today, my compassion is new today for you. You ever had a, a donut that's two days old? I mean, I've eaten them in the donut room after the breaking of bread. And I tell you what, they are savoring. And Mike likes the little sugar ones, the little sprinkle things on it all over his face when he's eating them. Because he loves them, but they're good. I don't tell me he would eat one three days later. I don't even know if the speckles would even come off. The sugar probably would be stuck to the donut. It wouldn't even come off. It would be part of the donut. But it would be stale. It's new every morning. Amen. God's compassion? New. It's fresh. 
It's like, Sean, you know, you're going through a little issue here at the job. Dean, you know, I know you're dealing with the manager. Mike, I know your knee hurts a little bit. Wayne, I know what you're dealing with. I know there's an issue here. We have boss issues, spouse issues, all kind of issues. I know what you're dealing with. So my compassion today is all geared to take care of you today. It's new. It's fresh. It's sweet. That's what the prophet focused on. When he refocused, everything was all right. He says, now I have hope. And I like this. Because this is what we must do. The next verse, 24 says, I say to myself. What does Satan say to us? Satan says, remember your affliction and remember your just, remember what you did? Remember that thought you had an hour ago, a minute ago? Remember that little glance you had? You remember the thing you did today that wasn't right? And we're downcast because we're listening to that voice. The writer says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Not Satan, not my thoughts, not my actions, not what I deserve, but the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Amen. I will wait for him because he's my portion. He sustains me. Ada was telling me about the church. He was telling me in May of 2008, we went to the owner of the old church. And we know him. Some of you know him really well. And they wanted to buy the church from him. We wanted to buy the church because we thought that was God's will and it's beautiful. We made it home. And it was home, wasn't it? With a lot of blessings that were shared. A lot of people came to Christ in that church. A lot of people were transformed in their love for Christ in that church. And that church was a blessing. So, let's buy it. So they go up to the gentleman and, and they say to him, you know, we want to buy the church. He says, no problem. Little greedy hands. He's <laughs> like, okay, I got you, you Christians. I know you Christians don't really have a lot of common sense. So he says, eight million dollars. Eight million. For that place. This was in 2008. When the market was doing this. <coughs> so they spent time with it because, you know, Ado, you know, the great optimist, is sitting with him thinking, Lord, you know, if this is your will, this man is going to be changed. His heart will be downcast. And he, after lunch, I think he went to lunch or something, but it came down to five. How do you go down $3 million in a lunch? <laughs> you can see that this guy is just out to lunch himself. So Edo and the wisdom of our leadership said, no thanks. But that's not a good deal. We can't really work with that. This was May of 2008. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. What did you do, Ado and Mike and Bill? What did you say? Let's wait for him because he's our portion. Amen. Four or five months later, Randy sees an article and an ad regarding the new building that we have heard. This is in October or so of 2008. It didn't start yesterday. The Lord was just working and tilling the soil and creating a beautiful place. Because he said that I have something else for you. You just need to wait 
for me. And then we know what happened. And this, the beautiful thing about it is that the property that we purchased is much less than the property even at our offer to Matt, which is staggering to me to see the hand of God, how God blessed the leadership and our church for waiting on him because we said, you are our portion. We will wait for you. Cameron and Katrina waited two years, guys. Amen. And look at the outcome. Amen. It says, the Lord is good to those who, whose hope is in him and to the one who seeks him. <clears throat> and then the last verse says, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Amen. What are we waiting for? I guarantee you, if the Lord is our portion, we should just wait patiently for Him. Amen. And we should refocus if our mind has been focused on the wrong things. Because we can get out of focus, can't we? I know I can get out of focus. And the need today is to be focused on the things of God. So focused on our God. Focus on the one who says you will never be consumed because I have great love for you and great passion for you. And my passion, compassion is new every morning for you. I read a story about a woman who was in poverty stricken. They were poor and she had a few children and they had a bed with no heat and they were freezing. Scarcely any clothes to even cover them. And they were huddled in a little corner and the mother, because she loves her children, because there's drafts running through the whole house, she took a door off of the, uh, the downstairs attic or the, uh, the basement. She actually took the door off and put it to block the wind, to give them a little more comfort. And she was discouraged. And one of her daughters said to her, Mother, what do those dear children do who do not have a cellar door? That was her focus. Her focus was, I'm thankful that I have a cellar door. There's some out there that don't have a cellar door. We have so much to be thankful for. Amen. But if we don't focus properly, Satan will throw a curve and have us leave the wedding and go outside and look at the storm and miss out on the most important thing that we could focus on which is our Lord and his compassion. They never fail. Never fail. So I pray that we just focus on that. As we walk the walk that we have and live the life that we have, that God would be honored by the life that we live because he's so much more deserving of our faith because of his faith. And may we all be encouraged, because I was very greatly encouraged by reading the prophet as he refocused his attention and how he, all of a sudden, hope sprang up and start thriving in his life. And he was able to be a blessing to all those around him as well. Amen. 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 Lord Jesus, we do thank you that we have your scriptures to keep us focused 
on what we need to be focused on. And like the little girl, Lord, I'm thankful that that cellar door is, for me, it's, it's you, Lord Jesus. You're my protection. You're our protection. You're a God that we are fortunate to have to help us, to assist us. And I pray that if there's anyone here today that doesn't really understand these thoughts that were shared today, doesn't understand the perspective of having the Lord as the rock that they're standing on, that you would encourage them to want to know you as Savior, to give their life to you, Lord Jesus. To say, I bow the knee before Jesus, the Lord, the one who paid the price for my sins because his compassions never fail. We love you, Lord Jesus, and ask that you would be in this day and that you would bless this day and that you would bless all the workers whose hands are in the church and that everything would go well this, this week, Lord, so that we can meet in that church. If it's your will next Sunday, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.